Come on, come on. How many of you can say, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. Put it in the chat. Lord, I love you. Lord, I love you. Jesus, I love you. I love you, Lord. However you put it in there, the sentiment should be the same. Jesus, I love you with all my heart. Come on, let's go to God in prayer and ask God's blessings on our time in his word today. Father, thank you for this day. I pray now that our love for you would be made manifest in our living for you. That everything that we do and everything that we say in the preaching and proclaiming of your word will be pleasing in your sight. But not only bless the preaching of your word, God bless the hearing of your word so that we will hear exactly what you want us to hear so we can change what we need to change so we can become who you want us to become. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I want to ask you a couple of real simple questions. These are not trick questions, I promise you. Here's the question. What makes a steak dinner a steak dinner? Uh, what makes a real housewives reality show a real housewives reality show? What, what made the Oprah Winfrey show the Oprah Winfrey show? What makes a fish fry a fish fry? Now, if you think that's real simple, let me see if I can make it plainer even for you. What makes a steak dinner a steak dinner is a steak. Like, you can't have a steak dinner and no steak. Don't invite me to a fish fry and there's no fish. Because then the question is, well, how you calling this a fish fry? The Oprah Winfrey show was the Oprah Winfrey show because Oprah Winfrey was the star of the show. Here's what's interesting. When we talk about things in this world, we understand that there's a direct correlation between the title and what's present. The real housewives of whatever city have to have some real housewives in the show in order for it to be a real housewives show. And when we talk about being a Christian, listen to me carefully. You can't be a Christian without one key element being in your life. And that's love. There is no Christianity without love. There's no Christianity without having received the love of God, and you can't be a Christian without showing that love to other people. Jesus says it in John chapter 13. Look at it, verse 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another by this. By what, Jesus? By love. All people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. J Jesus says, can, can we just start in the body? 
Can we just start with one another? Like, if you all just learn how to love one another, it would be a tremendous testimony and witness to the world. I know there are some of you who are struggling and stumbling over the command to love your enemies, but my God, Jesus says it starts with whether or not you learn how to love one another as saints, as believers. You see, if there is no love in Christianity, there is no Christian witness. You can have all of the accoutrements. You can have choir. You can have band. You can have pulpit. You can have pews. You can have stained glass and big crosses. But at the end of the day, if you don't have love, you have nothing that is truly Christian. Today, for a few moments, I want to continue our series, Being a Believer Every Day. And I want to talk to you from the thought, living out God's love every day. Living out God's love every day. Every day should not only be a day of thanksgiving, but every day should be a day of loving. We should be marked, we should be known by our love for one another. Our foundational text is Romans chapter 12, verse 13. As you know, in Romans chapter 12, the apostle Paul makes a shift from our doctrine to our duty, from rules to now rituals, from principles to now practices. This is how we are expected to live. This is what we are to do with all of the theological truth that he has given to us in the first 11 chapters. And Paul anchors right here in verse 13 around something very central, and that's the idea of love, loving one another. Now, let me give you a definition of love. Let me give you a definition of love, and it's a great definition. My late pastor here in Houston, Dr. A. Lewis Patterson, who is one of the seminal figures in my life who has impacted me in such a powerful way. Here's his definition for love. Read it along with me, if you will. Love is a minimum of emotions and a maximum of evaluation of need. With the meeting of that need in a spirit of self-sacrifice by doing whatever is needed to be done, even if you don't feel like doing it. Let me read it again. Come on. Love is a minimum of emotions and a maximum evaluation of need with the meeting of that need in a spirit of self-sacrifice by doing whatever is needed to be done, even if you don't feel like doing it. See, so many times we make the mistake of equating love with our feelings. And love is really not about our feelings, it's about our commitment. Are we committed to doing what we are called to do, what we are commanded to do, what needs to be done? That is the real evidence of love. Because listen, somebody who's watching right now, you know there are a lot of times you didn't feel like being loving, but you were loving, and you made a sacrifice 
because you did what needed to be done for your children, for your grandchildren, for your spouse. Why? Because that's the love commitment that you made. And Paul says we've got to show some love in our day-to-day walk with the Lord. One thing I want you to see today, and then I'm going to let you go. Here it is. Your love, number one, your love is real when you first show love to other believers. Your love is real when you first show love to other believers. Verse 13, the ESV translation, Romans chapter 12, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. The New Living Translation says, when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. When God's people are in need. Paul reminds these believers that you can't be a Christian without entering into and experiencing the feelings of others. That being a Christian, being a child of God, is not just preparing people to go to heaven. But we have a responsibility in terms of how we interact with them as they live on earth. Can we enter into the feelings, situations, and circumstances of other people, especially those who are believers? And so basically Paul says this, uh, being a child of God is more than just giving somebody a pat on the back. Uh, Being a child of God is more than just giving somebody a handshake or a holy hug. Uh, That's not the the epitomizing definition of being a Christian. He says, when, when you are a child of God, it means sharing, listen carefully, the burdens and the blessings of others so that we all grow together and glorify the Lord. We share in both the good and the bad. As believers, we help bear the infirmities of the weak. We stand beside our brothers and sisters when they are going through uh, struggles. See, see if, if Christians can't get along with one another, then guess what? Our Christian witness is worthless. How can you face your enemies in a way that honors God when you can't love your Christian family the way God demands? It's so simple, it's almost embarrassing. I'm talking to those of you now who are Christians. I'm I'm talking to those of you who who profess to know Jesus Christ as your Savior. So so let's talk honest. Let's, Let's have a real talk. Are you as loving to Christians, other Christians, as you can be? Or is the Holy Spirit bringing to your remembrance right now a Christian, a child of God, whether they claim to be a child of God or not, they say they are a Christian, and your actions toward them, your attitude towards them is ugly at best. He says you've got to learn how to show love to other Christians. I mean, look at what the text says. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Uh, Let me give you two things under one 
and then I'm going to let you go. A, give to meet the needs of other believers. Give to meet the needs of other believers. The believer, the Bible says, is to contribute, that is to give and share in order to meet needs. Now, here's what's interesting. That word contribute is the root word, the same word, kononio, right? It's where we get the word kononia from. Same, same root, same family. In other words, when we talk about Christian fellowship, it's not just about us having food and drinks and having a good time and then saying so long. Real fellowship is us living life to life and connecting with one another. That's where the love of God is really shown. It's not shown in what we call a fellowship event where everybody just kind of comes together and waves and says hi to each other. It's no, no, no. When I really need you, are you going to give and share in order to meet needs? If I come into a difficult space or if I find myself in a difficult place, will you walk beside me and help me get to where I need to be? Um, several times in my life, uh, a couple of times, probably two, maybe three, uh, I, I went swimming and almost drowned. And I, I was determined, man, I was going to learn how to swim. But I remember this one occasion uh, when, when I got in, in water and it was over my head and, and I didn't know how to swim. And I remember a gentleman saw me struggling. Others were laughing at me. I was a little boy. Others were laughing at me struggling. But this man came over and picked me up and just moved me over a foot or two because it was a slope pool so that I was no longer in water over my head. Some laughed. He saw and just moved me over a little bit. And that's really what Christian love is right? It's when you see somebody struggling and gasping that you go where they are and help them get to where they need to be. I don't know who that man was. Never introduced himself to me. I was just a boy. But I promise you, I swear that man saved my life because he literally took the time when others were laughing, he moved me over. Can I ask you a question? As a believer, as a child of God, are you quick to move and to move with a sense of not just urgency, but empathy. If not empathy, sympathy to help somebody get to where God wants them to be. He says we are to share with others. We are to distribute with others. Look at Acts 4, 34 and 35. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands and houses or houses sold them, and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. I want you to notice something about this. One, uh, this would be what some would call Christian socialism, except it was self-imposed. They saw people had a need, they saw their surplus, and they actually took the gospel seriously. 
They didn't measure whether or not they had been blessed by God by how much stuff they could accumulate, how much they could acquire. They, showed, they, they saw the evidence of their Christian faith by how much they could share with others who had a need. And they brought it to the apostles' feet, not to lift up the apostles, but to make sure that the offering was handled with integrity and was blessed by God as they distributed it to the people who had need. It's, it's really about how, how generous your heart is, how giving your heart is. Look at Romans chapter 16, verse 1. I commend you to you, our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at Kentriai, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you, for she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. Paul says, help her because she has helped a whole lot of people carry the gospel further, including myself. Here's the B part. I told you not only to give to meet the needs of other believers, but Paul says in the B part of verse 13, show hospitality to others. Show hospitality to others. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Hospitality to entertain, to show kindness to to, in essence, open up what you have to be a blessing to others. Now, here's what's interesting. Look at what the text says. Seek to show hospitality. Literally pursue hospitality. Be intentional about showing hospitality to others. The believer is to open the door Open the door of their home if that's applicable. Open the home to your purse in terms of generosity. How can you be a blessing to somebody else? How can you show hospitality to somebody else? How can you bless those who don't have what you have? How can you make sure that your love is manifested in a way that gives because that's what love does? Love gives. Uh, th this idea of hospitality is so central to the Christian life that Paul says it, it, it should be one of the marks of a bishop, of a church leader. Uh, look at what it says, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach. Peter goes a little bit further and says, all of us must use hospitality as a means to minister and to show love to others. First Peter chapter 4 verse 9, cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. Can you be a blessing to somebody else with what you have? Now listen, please, because I already hear some of you. Well, you know, it's hard out here, strange out there, strangers out here. Listen, nobody said to put yourself in danger. That's not what we're talking about. 
We're talking about with other saints right now. We're just talking about believers. I mean, we didn't even get to strangers, how you should respond and act towards strangers. We're just saying other believers. There's something amazing. There's something powerful in the presence of other saints in your life when you can enjoy and share with one another, when you can look out for one another. Because guess what? You not only bless them, but you honor God in what you do. We love to sing that old song, Love Lifted Me. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry. From the waters he lifted me, now safe am I. Love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. And here's what's interesting. We testify about the love that lifted us. But are we quick to give that same love to others? No fish fry if there are no fish on the menu. No steak dinner if there's no steak on the plate. There's no Oprah Winfrey show without Oprah Winfrey. No real housewives of anywhere without some real housewives. And there's no true Christianity without love. And that love is not sentimentality or emotion. That love is sacrifice in action that shows to others the love that we have received from God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. And I pray now. (sighs) that you'll bless your word as it's gone forth. I pray that it has found fertile ground in the hearts and minds of your people. Help somebody, God, if they do nothing else this week. Show them by by your Holy Spirit three times that they could be more loving. Not more loving of you, but more loving towards a brother or sister. Help that love to be so real that it will testify to the love that we have received from you. We bless you now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to thank you for being with us today. Now, before you go, listen, a couple of things. One, if you need the Lord in your life, I want to give you an opportunity to say yes to the Lord. Click on the link that says, I want to become a Christian. I want to accept Christ, but how? And we'll show you how to ask the Lord into your life. If you want to become part of our church, click on the link that says, I want to join the church. And we have people who will contact you, who will reach out to you wherever you are in the world to help you become part of our church family. For those of you who want to worship the Lord in giving, you've had ample opportunity throughout the worship service and reminders of how you can text to give. There are six ways that you can worship the Lord in giving on the digital platform here at Good Hope. And we want to thank you for your faithfulness in your giving. 
God is doing some amazing things. We're looking to expand our food pantry effort and add back into that a monthly health and wellness component. Excited about that. We're excited about our youth diversionary program. It's called Project Hope. And uh, man, I'm excited. Matter of fact, we're working with a young man now who's gotten into trouble and we want to see not, not only how we can help him get out of trouble, but more importantly, how we can help him change his life. And we're excited about that opportunity that God is giving to us to be salt and light to those who are in need of salt and light. Your giving helps to make these ministries become a reality. Uh, as we seek to minister to unchurched and unsaved people, both in our local neighborhood, within our concentric circle of contact here at the church facility, but even more than that, reaching out to other people that we know individually. Uh, you give us the tools that we need to disciple them, to help them become all that God wants you to be. And there's two aspects to discipleship and is biblically supported in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. One is evangelism, one is edification. To help people come to know Jesus and to help people grow in Jesus. And so I want to thank you for your faithfulness. And uh, man, we're working hard to get our church where we need to be in order to become all that God wants us to be. Now, we're prayerfully moving forward, looking at one Sunday a month. If the Lord says the same, uh, I want to encourage you to get your vaccines. If you're able to get your booster shots, get your booster shots. Uh, we are working now with some of our uh, medical partners to offer uh, vaccinations and to offer booster shots here on our campus. And I'm hoping and praying that that will come to pass uh, sooner than later. Uh, the, the, the numbers are there. The facts are there. Uh, don't, don't just go online and find somebody who agrees with you. Do the research yourself. Go to the CDC. Go to whatever health department that you have and look at the numbers. And for somebody who says, you know what, I don't trust doctors, that's fine. You don't trust doctors. But if you don't trust them to keep you well, don't trust them when you get sick, right? That, that, that doesn't make any sense. I mean, if, if I don't trust the doctors when they say a vaccine is the best way for me to keep COVID-19 and the Delta variant, which is much more potent away from me or to protect me against it, then why would I go to that same doctor in order to get treated, right? That same medical community. So please, ma'am, please, sir, be prayerful about it. But I want to encourage you to get vaccinated for your sake and for the sake of your family and friends. Uh, over the last two weeks, we've had five people. Uh, I think we counted five in our immediate, our immediate circle of contact who have died as a result of the Delta variant. None of them had gotten vaccinated. They had their reasons but none of them had gotten vaccinated and all of them are gone. And I submit to you that I think that's a life that was lost that didn't have to be lost. All right. So get vaccinated if you can. Last but not least, remember God is doing something wonderful in you. God is doing something wonderful in me. Sometimes we don't see it in the midst of everything that we're going through. 
but God is doing something wonderful in you. All right? Sing it, profess it as faith and encourage somebody else to know that God is not through with you yet. God bless you and God be with you.